0: Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. I'm so excited. My name is Garrett Sussman of iPoll Rank. And today we're talking about a really interesting, complex, but fascinating topic. We're going to talk all about multilingual SEO and localization, specifically in the context of, you know, the social and cultural impact that businesses can have in various different regions. I am joined today by Veruska Ancanitano, Hopefully, I didn't push her name, but Veru, she is awesome. She's an SEO consultant specializing, obviously, in international and multilingual SEO. She's been doing it for years. She's a sociologist, a sociolinguistic, semiotics background. She also has her master's in data science. Like, what doesn't she do? Uh, she follows a culturalized approach to SEO and localization. So, leveraging you know cognitive psychology, neuroscience, and data, all to provide a great, user experience at the regional level we're going to talk a little bit about you know seo but also in actual like user experience and um you know how you build out a website so it's a a good positive cultural experience that's a whole lot to say thank you for joining me today vedru how are you doing good
1: thank you for joining me and uh, hello, hello everyone hello yes
0: and so not only that so a little fun fact about you is we were talking before the podcast you're like it's okay if you butcher my name but but what i shouldn't butcher is italian food because you are a passionate cook chef tell me a little bit about about your your obsession with culinary arts
1: oh well i could well we could do an episode just on this to be honest (laughs) Because uh, you know, for me, food is like the language; uh, is the foundation of a culture. It's a foundation of a country, and it's it's just what ties up people together over the over the centuries. And I know that food cross culture, but there are certain things that has to have to be the same, no matter the the the. Um, the location so if uh, a certain type of pasta is done in a certain way it has to be done in a certain way you can do and you can change whatever you want but don't please don't call it in the way it's not we are used to butchering uh, chinese food as well and it's mm-hmm. like uh, pretty much killing uh, chinese culture abroad uh, and not giving uh, chinese people the credit that they deserve so the approach My approach to food, to Italian food, it's the same approach that I have in terms of language and culture. And then I'm also, I really, really love to eat. So there is this (laughs) other component, which kind of makes up for a lot of things when we talk about food. So it's it's Uh just a mix of trying to preserve uh, my heritage and to pass along my heritage to other people and also my love for food, uh, endless love for food.
0: I I love that. I personally have never been to Italy, but I, I can only imagine I truly haven't had like a, a, a real Italian culinary experience unless you're in Italy. I mean, in the States, in America, it's like we have almost American Italian or like to your point about Chinese, literally like it's Ch- American Chinese is completely different cuisine than actual Chinese food, which is awful and hilarious. And yet... Uh, i am jewish and and every christmas we eat chinese food like american chinese food like that is part of my culture so you uh you are all about multilingual seo a few weeks back you you wrote this excellent article in wix kind of detailing you know the the beginning to end nuts and, and bolts of it and i want to tap into that so first off kind of at a high level what are the biggest challenges that you see for multilingual SEO?
1: Well, in fairness, there are challenges at different levels. There are business challenges, skills challenges, uh, and also outcomes challenges. Just not to go too in depth with these, uh, they, for sure some of the most impacting and important are the first one probably is selling the idea that it's not about quantity, but about quality. And it's not about what you, business owner, think uh, will work, uh, but what your users uh, are looking for and what will work for them. And this is extremely hard to sell, uh, especially when uh, we talk about uh, localization and multilingual SEO for websites starting with a very solid foundation in their source language, uh, where there's, there's basically some sort of fear that you're basically putting your your business uh, at a risk if you don't follow a standard process uh, and you don't follow what you think you you should follow that's probably the thing that puts a lot of weight on multilingual seo and it's one of the biggest challenge and another one uh, that i see pretty much every time uh, in any situation no matter if it's a big company, a a small one, a B2B or B2C, is the the need to put together a project management and cross-discipline plan, Mm -hmm. that it's always something that business don't think about. It's just like, uh, this is something that international SEO will manage. But then they don't think about all the stakeholders that need to be involved, or this is something that localization will manage and it's the same. So, lack of project management uh, is extremely huge. Uh, and last but not least, but I think this is cross uh, span, basically span across all SEO is accountability, who does what, uh, mm. why something has been done, why something is happening. Uh, and lack of resources—that's uh, tied up strictly with the idea of okay, what happens uh, if I fail? I'm wasting money, while if I follow a standard approach, uh, it's easier, you know, to to justify if you are failing.
0: You know, and 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 it makes so much sense of like why a business might oversimplify the complexity of moving into a new market and you kind of hit the nail on the head where it's like you have to actually plan out and project manage market research content generation and seo and it all plays together and we're going to talk a little bit about the business strategy of it too because that's almost like the first part before you even consider like it's obviously it's not just about translation translating into a different language it's so much more but what would you say, assuming that you do everything right, you plan and you move into this market, what are the benefits of a well-executed multilingual SEO strategy?
1: So for me, I know that the majority of SEO people uh, and marketing people think that the ultimate goal uh, is uh, revenue, so conversion. Uh, the truth is that we have multiple levels of conversion. And in terms of multilingual SEO uh, for me, it's uh, deepening your relation with your target users in order to to kind of create foundation for brand loyalty. If you have brand loyalty, if people start uh, recognizing you just by looking at a page title that appears on Google, then uh, you want them over. And uh, it's the basically multilingual SEO. That's why I always say that multilingual SEO is the way to understand uh, how people search in other countries, but also to anticipate what they may search for in a specific time frame, in a specific language, in a specific country. The, the uh, ultimate goal is to deepen the relation the company has with them.
0: Yeah, it's it's very interesting how important it is to get that right to your point with like SEO you you talk a little bit about the idea of like even if you you get the title tags and the meta description um for your target keywords right for a specific area once they go to the actual website If that's not aligned with it in terms of their expectations of what the what the page will look like, the kind of that region's standards for the offer and the visuals and and the placement of the elements, then it's not going to work. Right.
1: Correct. Correct. It's there is an an extra layer when we talk about multilingual SEO, which is. it's that it doesn't stop at optimizing on-page and uh, off-page elements. Uh, it has to include, uh, of course, it's not our job, but it has, it has to include uh, um, considerations about the UX side of things. Uh, the conversion rates uh, not all the markets behave in the same way. If you go to Germany, for example, Germany is a great, great example. I love working with German people and German countries. Uh, if you place a, a strong uh, conversion CTA on top of the page, uh, they don't do anything. They just, they may leave German people because they are skeptical. Mm. The majority of them are, are skeptical. You need to convince them. To convince them, you may need, for example, a testimonial on top of the page, rather than just throwing the benefits what or, of or, or your product, for example, or your offer. So they want to see the real value, behind uh, the marketing uh, chitchat <laughs> and every market every market behaves differently and that's the beauty because we tend to think in seo that when people see our a page ranking at first in the first position in google automatically we are bringing revenue and we are bringing conversion of any kind it's not true in international in multilingual actually it is true in international in multilingual uh, if it If this is not followed by a precise uh, uh, multilingual strategy at every level, it's a failure, complete failure. And the first one to suffer is SEO, of course.
0: It's, um, it's so interesting. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get a little bit into that idea of like targeting by country or region as opposed to just language. But starting at the beginning, obviously, the C suite can't wake up one day and be like, "Oh, we're just gonna like move into a new market." Like, there's so much planning and thought that goes into it. How, as a business, and to your point, tied to revenue. How do you conceive your multilingual strategy? Like, where do you start? What questions should the business be asking themselves, considering that they need to like take into consideration SEO content market research?
1: Yeah, this is a very hard question now, because there are a lot of consideration that really depends on the business. So, but the very first thing to understand also for understanding for analyzing if multilingual SEO would work is to understand if the product is a fit for a specific market and most of all, from what angle. Because I can have a product that can work in your market, but what's the angle I should tackle to make sure that my users feel empowered and they want to try my product and they want to become my customers. And this is a very first superficial layer. Sometimes it's not up to us. It's up to the business analyst to decide this, but SEO can actually up on this uh, with keyword research, for example, with the competitors analysis, but most of all, uh, and here comes my weird sociology, social linguistic background, nerd stuff, uh, with market research and analyzing user habits in terms of uh, uh, web consumption, content consumption, product consumption. And there's something else that I want to throw in this conversation and something that sometimes business don't think and marketers don't think about. The the biggest question, one of the biggest questions should always be, can I offer the same experience to all my customers, regardless of where they are? Do I have, for example, customer representation in each country that I target? What happens if someone lands on my page because SEO did a great job, but then they they need more information can I offer them support in their language? It's where it's like a concatenated things, so, you know, everything falls behind everything else. Um so it's not just uh, okay, competitors are doing this, volumes are high, probably the product is a fit. It's also how much support can I give to them?
0: It's so complex. I mean, and then to that point, there's also the pricing aspect of like when you do bring it back to revenue, you know, can someone in South America, you know, like afford this because I remember working for a graphic design company and and the way the cultures, you know, think about graphic design is going to be different and what they're willing to pay. And so there's so much research. So one idea you mentioned is is looking at competitors uh, perspective for SEO, in terms of implementation, is it like if you don't already have a presence in a market, do you need to like work with someone locally there to really understand it? Like, what do you recommend for businesses to do that local research?
1: Definitely going local, yeah. the more well, actually, there are two different levels. Uh, There is uh, more cross-cultural research that you can do in-house, and with resources that you have, uh, starting from sales team, uh, customer team, customer service team, uh, um, everything basically. Also, the um, consumption of the content uh, on your website uh, Uh, users landing on your website uh, from other countries, uh, simply using analytics or any other tracking tool. Uh, But then uh, to me, the real value is in local people uh, because they know what's going on and they know what can work in terms of research as well. Some countries, for example, uh, for some countries, uh, focus groups are still massive and you can gain a lot of information from focus group. Others are more used, for example, to online survey because they are at an advanced stage. Mm -hmm. So you really need to grasp uh, the situation uh, by uh, talking with local people, with local experts, uh, starting from day one. uh, So the process should always include local people from day one, whether it's an agency, a skilled freelancer, consultant, uh, another company, whoever it is, uh, they'll just go local, definitely.
0: And, And to that point, it's interesting because it makes you understand why a business might do like a much smaller in scope pilot program when they're entering a new market So once you know your strategy and all of the different components of the business are aligned and how you're going to like you know market the product and and offer support and pricing and all that when you start doing the seo component what does that look like like where do you begin with implementation what do you recommend for your clients
1: so usually the that's probably the hardest part Uh, it's uh, to sell them uh, what to do from an SEO standpoint, because we are in SEO and in business, uh, we tend to think that the moment you implement Lang it's fine, it's okay, you're done. But my recommendation is always go uh, from, once the strategy has been approved and we are all aligned, uh, let's start uh, giving uh, accountability to the person or the people in charge of the keyword research, because that's the first thing. So. Put them in front of the source uh, website. Let's say you are you are you have an, an Australian website that you need to localize, to SEO localize and to bring to life in Italy. Ask the local Italian person or company or agency, whoever it is, to do keyword research, uh, not based uh, on what is on the English website, but on what's on the brand, on the core business, on the product. Because this is going to be the foundation. The biggest downfall in multilingual SEO is thinking that translating one on one is good. And you end up with atrocities, with really monsters. I remember working once for a company, big e commerce. They wanted to, they really wanted to get a category page that was really strong in in the U.S. to uh, EMEA markets. And uh, I fight, fought, 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 and just say, we don't have this thing. We should change it for another much more performing category and focus on this. They didn't want to. And then there was, uh, I said, okay, let's do what you want to do. I tried my best. It didn't work. Of course, the minute we put the content of that page uh, in Spain, uh, Italy, France, and if I'm not from Portugal, there was a drop in revenue. There was basically no revenue, no ranking, people not looking for. And so I built basically a case saying, uh, you did want this, uh, you made a mistake, I told you, and that's yeah. the result. Real- <laughs>
0: Well, it's it's almost, it's to your point about accountability, that's really, not that it's unfair to the SEO, but it's like, you know, if you are the in-house SEO, who's part of this campaign and you're in charge of it, and the requests or the requirements from the business aren't Properly put in place, then if you're not seeing the results, that isn't necessarily the SEO's fault if they've done their appropriate research. So it's really on the SEO in a lot of ways to educate the C suite that this, like to your point, this is why it isn't working.
1: Yes, that's correct. And to what today's Accountability also means uh, not just reporting on successes and failure, but also knowing when to stop and where to stop. Mm. Because one of the biggest, uh, what I see, I think it's a big, big issue that sometimes uh, people from different teams uh, tend to overlap. Mm. Yes, And in multilingual SEO, this happens uh, way more often than in other uh, cross-department, cross-team working. SEO crossing over localization localization crossing over SEO and then it comes paid as well so there are so to make sure that everyone is accountable for a piece of the project everyone needs to know when to stop and where to stop yeah, because that's, uh, every every single sorry go ahead
0: no go continue that's interesting.
1: Because, you know, every single team uh, has different KPIs and goals, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, th- those goals should always tied up uh, with the final results you get when you work on a project. The moment uh, you start crossing too much, uh, you screwed up your own KPIs and other people's KPIs
0: yeah oh yeah and especially the bigger the organization to your point the more stakeholders that are ultimately involved the more potential for silos that still require a ton of conversation i mean i can imagine you know kind of jumping back to the beginning but that's why seo like and seo needs to be in the room from the beginning of these types of projects like when we even were talking site architecture you mentioned you know hreflang and category pages you wrote in, in your Wix article about, you know, even in Europe, the way that French folks versus Italians and Germans value products. I'd imagine you say Italians prefer to purchase from an Italian company. So it's like you'd think that would inform their don't, using a country domain, using like a .it as opposed to necessarily doing a commercial domain. I feel like it can get very complicated when you get to some of the technical site architecture considerations there.
1: Definitely. But there's also another, you know, scaling uh, consideration here. I I would love to be honest, to do everything by the book. Mm-hmm. But when you work with big companies, uh, it, it's almost impossible. Uh, and I think that's where, you know, uh, it's when they implementing certain, uh, it, it's not more about the architecture, When you work on big projects, it's more how we implement uh, or how we integrate uh, cultural uh, and local things uh, within an existing uh, and kind of a templatized page. Because if if you think about Amazon, Amazon is one of the examples in my Wix article. The template is always the same. And you know yes. you are into Amazon. But then if you go to Amazon uh, France, uh, you see the specific section I liked, uh, which is all about French product. If you go to Germany, they don't have a specific German pro- section, but they have the Italian one because cultural proximity, but most of all geographical proximity. So sometimes, uh, very often actually, it's not about the Technical nitty gritty stuff as much, but yes. most about the experience, the local experience and tackling that, that side. I suppose it, I think it's harder than just going uh, with technical recommendation.
0: And so, to that point, what do you typically recommend when you're talking about the content on the site? You know, you 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 mentioned the term like kind of transcreate, where it isn't just obviously a translation. Um, there's you know the 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 cultural nuances, whether it's you know linguistically or you know visually and conceptually. How do you think about making that experience culturally relevant? Uh, relevant, and how I guess. When you're talking about strategy how specific do you need to get to region versus generalized like how do you determine
1: uh, the determination of the region depends mostly by the language uh, so we have for example we have this weird uh, super weird uh, idea that uh, if you use uh, neutral what is called uh, which is not neutral spanish for mexican you can actually target all the spanish countries but it's not true yeah. because The language is the result of the social, economical, uh, political, cultural changes over time. uh, And the way they use certain type of language differs from the way someone from Colombia uses the same type of of word or as different words. So uh, again, in an ideal world you would like to have uh, every country specific domain for every country. And that's not always possible. So in terms, again, uh, for me, to, to make sure that it works, uh, it's tied up to two things. Uh, the product fit. Right. And also on a very, very, very basic level, uh, um, our spending habits and uh, users' habits in a specific uh, in in that specific niche that I want to target, the only the only way to that to drive social and cultural awareness is to be aware to where, for example, social issues lie. For, let, let's so let's think about, for example, now that the situation is critical in many countries, uh, an e-commerce website uh, targeting, uh, let's say. Well, we are all in a crisis. So, whatever country, fine.
0: Right, right.
1: <laughs> I mean, let's say Irish people. They they want they, to bring um, awareness to make sure that the need of Irish people are met. They start. They need to start using uh, catchy phrases, uh, catchy elements uh, that somehow help them understanding the content that they are reading. Uh, here in Ireland, we have a crisis, house crisis uh, going on at the moment. Uh, So everything that tackles this aspect, not just uh, on, on websites where do you search for a house basically, but pretty much everywhere. Yes. As the responsibility to address this kind of issue, can address this kind of issue using a specific type of language, uh, using specific elements and something that makes people supported and also, you know, empowered. Uh, If they are searching, for example, for items that cost less uh, than uh, they should search for. I don't know if it's clear. It's kind of a very... Hard concept to this uh, to streamline uh, because it takes into consideration a lot of things. Uh, and when you think how, how can SEO bring a cultural awareness, to me the first things to to get, comes to mind is that we have the power to stop inequalities uh, using uh, appropriate words wording, right. and we have the power to stop stereotypes. We I'm lucky enough to work uh, in languages, mostly in languages that are not gender neutral. uh, And I strongly, strongly advocate for this. Uh, This is a power that SEO has to to strengthen uh, certain values uh, from the very first interaction.
0: It's so interesting because to your point, it's like you have this opportunity to make change and then... You know, and there's an almost an ethical, like, kind of moral sort of like support for that, and yet from a business standpoint, you could see. I think this happened. Uh, Miriam Jesse did a a, a great uh, Twitter thread and talked about it a couple months ago about in France and and how you know to your point about gendered language, and then there's the business component. If people are searching in old, anachronistic sort of like, you know unacceptable ways or or gendered or stereotypes that are negative stereotypes and that is a business value the business needs to make some tough decisions and be okay with the fact of well yes the search volume might not be as big in this like you know old school way um and so and so you you have to make those i mean i guess you could cover both but that's something that you consider a lot with when you're building out these strategies right yes that's
1: true and one of the biggest challenge and things to to do is not to think about the volumes anymore yeah because it's not that it's not that anymore if you this is a very kind of holistic and hard to sometimes to to sell approach but that's where saying this very badly but that's where the money are in reality because you know you are not reaching for the stars uh, you are reaching for the for, for, for the for the the, the wall basically and right. you need to 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 make sure that you even if the volumes are low you are targeting that's those specific people that are searching for those specific things so that somebody else some nobody else may be been targeted so far and the language the the language neutrality gender neutrality is one of the biggest talk uh, in multilingual and the localization community because you know we think that we have always told that at the end of the day google is biased that we know and search engines are biased uh, but it's up to us as well to change this uh, we are training uh, artificial intelligence to do certain things in a certain way over time we can train search engines to change how they rank pages. But of course, if it's just one, two, three companies or people doing this, it's harder and harder. Still, it's a good exercise and brings great, great results. Well, you make a
0: good point of what what's interesting to me, obviously beyond search volume, is how Google is understanding our content. And, and this is a little off topic, but it makes me think of mom. Right. And how with the developments of mom and the understanding of contextual sort of content, not focused specifically on language, but almost more entity focused based on concepts, to your point, the gender Gendered language won't matter as much as Google understands more effectively the concept and not just like what this one specific word means. But then on the other hand, it's still, you still need to consider the cultural nuances and concepts that might be different from region to region.
1: Correct. Like, let's, if you think about Japanese, for example, uh, there's also like the, um, you know, the society rules that you have to take into consideration. So let's say, for example, for the term you, mm-hmm. you like the pronoun you, right. there are four or five different ways to say you in Japan, depending on the level of confidentiality, the level of uh, the seniority, the person that you are talking about. And it's up to SEO to address yes. specifically to the the right usage of the you in the right context, then you can make a mistake and you can just go for the plain or for the, you know, the most used one or the ones that Google Translate suggests, And Google will pick your choice because Google is smart, it's becoming smarter and smarter. But then you are doing a bad, bad service to your company and you are not bringing any value to the table and you are not really talking to the people that you want to reach out because you haven't, understood the cultural and social difference uh, meaning uh, difference in meanings uh, of the different terms so yes google is smart but then uh, on the flip side uh, we are smarter we should be smarter (laughs) Right. it it
0: brings it back to accountability and ethical accountability of all this so you've worked with a range of clients and just from what you're watching out there when you when you look at these different markets are there any examples of organizations that you think are doing multilingual SEO and localization really well that you can point to?
1: Overall, I think that the travel space is really, really doing great. There is a lot of awareness because I feel that you know it's uh, travel uh, is one of those industries where you can uh, really, really go wide mm-hmm. because you really can go local And one of of the examples that I can think about, and I may be a little bit biased, is Skystander.
0: Right.
1: Um, They have have a structure in place where, okay, it is a SEO, but it is multilingual SEO and localization uh, together in a way that you really feel uh, it is uh, local. You really have that local feeling across all the board. Uh, And another one, uh, which probably everyone knows, is Ryanair as well. Right. They brought their game uh, even further. So their uh, multilingual efforts goes beyond SEO and it, it's a stunning example on how to use idioms, local jokes, um, real-time marketing, uh, long-term uh, SEO with a specific focus on specific uh, regional variants uh, and aspects. So it's Ryanair is another good example. On the flip side, yeah, <laughs> and there is always bad examples. I'm not <laughs> going to name and shame, but I think that the B two B big organizations could also could really, really, really rethink the way they do multilingual. It's usually focused on quantity, so you can see that they train their people to use Google Google Translate, and you can see what's going on. And this is my my fight, uh, aside from Italian food, my fight against the Google Translate. I have a fight going on. <laughs> is it, is it any Translate.
0: better? Like, obviously, it's so problematic and, and you see so many examples. Like, do you think they're actively trying to improve it to the point that it would be something that you'd, you'd recommend for businesses? Or is it just that it just isn't ever going to get there?
1: Oh, this is. Oh, I don't want to do this. Uh, I'm not against uh, artificial intelligence. I'm actually. I worked uh, for a lo- very long time on um, um, voice assistant, on developing okay. the voice assistant, uh, and I think that it's it's a powerful. It's a artificial intelligence is a powerful tool, and machine translation is a great opportunity. But so, I see is as a great opportunity at a very. The, at the beginning of the journey to enter a new market, mm. which is usually how it should work. So you yeah. start from Google Translate or whatever other machine translation tool or, so, or system you use, and then you scale. So the first layer you enter the market, and then you realize it's not enough. So you scale and move to the next step. So to as a starting point, yes especially if you don't have the budget but if you are a big organization and you have the budget keep directly to the second step
0: it's you know it's, it's it's very interesting the conversation around ai content and i feel like that could be a whole other conversation between us. Cause like our founder, at Apple rank Mike King uh, a few weeks ago, wrote an article all about why AI content's not the threat that SEOs claim. And to your point, it's like this raw translation is never going to be accurate enough. Like it's, it's really, you know, maybe translation is closer than just general AI content, but you need that human element of editing. And to your point, especially at the localization level, I think there's always going to be value to have humans involved in the process.
1: I agree. I agree. and Especially it's it's beyond SEO, but especially the UI. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, again, uh, to to the very first topic of this conversation, uh, if I land on a page uh, and it doesn't, speak to me in terms of UI, but also in terms of elements or colors. Uh, I I want to leave because I don't understand uh, anything, uh, and uh, it's my mind. Uh, it's blowing basically because the information I find uh, don't match with my experience with with how I, my mind has been trained, and the training is a you mind training psychological the, the psychology behind how we interact with things. Uh, as a group's uh, inter, in, influence a lot all of these. Uh, so definitely i see a future in uh, ai for multilingual and localization uh, but still i don't see that as a replacement uh, a big help again mm-hmm. especially probably mostly only at the very first uh, level uh, at the very first uh, w- the the, min- the the very first step of uh, entering the new market but then you you need to move over
0: Oh my gosh. There's so much that we could cover. I mean, like in terms of the elements on the page and you you were almost, for the most part, I think you have a few uh, Tagalog examples in your Wix article, but like we're talking mostly Romance languages to begin with. I mean, you think about Baidu as a search engine for, you know, like Chinese, like that's Chinese, Cantonese is a whole different, you know, even way that you read the language anyway, but I could talk to you about, this is so awesome. I could talk to you about this all, uh, you know, forever but I want to I want to dive into rapid fire rankings are, are you ready to do some rapid fire rankings with me
1: yes let's try to undo this okay. I'm still awake so yes
0: <laughs> Here we go we'll keep our answers short we'll dive in we'll get some music on the clock and let's do this okay <laughs> Starting off, rank the top three of anything that you absolutely love. What do you love most? Top three?
1: And um, Href, SM Rush, uh, Google Suite, especially. Oh yes, but I need to add two more because I think they are super underrated in our community, and it's Tableau, which is oh, great and software yeah. and integrated with Python. I think you did an, uh, you had an episode. Uh, uh earlier about this and i feel that these two are something that these two tools uh, or yeah tools let's call tools uh, are something that we really need to consider more in our job
0: ah best those are great seo tools and yeah marco giardano went went hard on the python so into it okay rank your best seo or marketing win yes
1: yeah, so I basically uh, was in charge of launching uh, an e-commerce, UGCom, American uh, U.S. e-commerce to EMEA market uh, and APAC. And uh, I I didn't do anything special. I just used uh, uh, my skills uh, in tapping into local user needs, motivation, uh, issues, uh, problem to solve, uh, everything, social situation. Completely forgetting about what's up, what was happening in the U.S. website. Uh, this brought massive traffic. Uh, most of all, leads uh, a lot of brand awareness, uh, and so I ended up leading the same strategy and the same uh, website also for the U.S. Wow,
0: that is—it's incredible. Okay, so rank your best SEO trick or tactic.
1: This is. I, I don't know if it's pure SEO. I think it's pure a trick, which is, can be or not be SEO. I love to creating and ask to create comparisons pages for non-competitive players between non-competitive players because it's where sometimes you can discover that a functionality can do the same trick that. A functionality from one of your, uh, no, from what you consider your non-competitor, can deliver the same results uh, as one of your functionality, and that's why you don't get the users that you want because someone else is stealing the, the game, stealing the, the, the yeah, stealing, the, yeah, is stealing the users from you. Sorry, right?
0: I love that. I mean, and most of the times it's Excel, right? Um, Rank what you love most about SEO in general.
1: And so I work at the intersection between SEO and localization, managing processes, people, pretty much everything. So for me, the best thing is to be able to be right. So when I say something, I'm happy when I'm right. And also, uh, being able to demonstrate that in multilingual SEO, there's more than just uh, measuring the ranking and the traffic. That's way there's way more, and it ties up with everything we have said so far.
0: Yeah, that cultural and social impact is is amazing. Okay, so rank your what you consider your best learning SEO resource.
1: Hmm. I, uh, for me, it's Google documentation because it gives you insights on everything and most of all, it allows you to expand on a specific topic. So I think that's the best documentation, the best yeah learning resource at the moment.
0: It's getting it's getting better and better. Okay, the hardest question, rank your top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most look up to or admire.
1: So it's not a ranking. Because I consider them equals. So it's uh, three women, uh, first one. uh, And it's, again, it's not in order of importance. Natalie Kelly, she's in localization. Uh, She's the VP of localization at at, at, at AppSpot. Then uh, Motoko Hunt, Mm -hmm. which is, uh, yeah, a known name in SEO. I like her approach. I like how she can uh, delve into topics that rely on what I do, that basically speaks to what I do. And then Cindy Gallop, she's an marketer, a all-round marketer, powerful uh, female, uh, powerful woman. Uh, and I really love uh, her way to approach complex topics and most of all to shine a light uh, on uh, it's not on basically women's issues or women uh, strength.
0: She, she's a force. She's awesome. Um, okay. And finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote.
1: So there is this organization that I've been supporting since when I was very very young. It's an, it's an Italian one, but they operate worldwide and in English as well. It's called Emergency. is an independent uh, organization uh, that provides free um, medical and surgical support uh, to the victims of war. Oh, wow. um, they work in extremely uh, challenging environments. So yeah, that's. Yeah, my again, it's it's all tied up to my idea of uh, uh, better access to better resources and human rights uh, for everyone.
0: I love that, and we'll have we have the link um, in the show description notes to emergency. This has been awesome. So, so many great insights. And even for anyone who's listening to this that doesn't do international SEO, like we said at the beginning, this applies to anyone that's in multiple regions where you have different cultures or different audiences, you know, to pay attention to those components that ultimately will help penetrate those markets and and bring social and cultural awareness um, to those issues. Thank you so much for being my guest. If someone wants to find you online, where's the best way to get in touch?
1: Oh, that's very hard. So there's my website. Um, mm-hmm. That's my surname. on uh, conitano.com. It's in the right right up, so it's so nobody forget because yep. it's really hard. Then I'm on Twitter. Search for Viru mm-hmm. and I should, should comes up. If Twitter was if will exist, we don't know in a couple <laughs> of weeks. Who knows? And on LinkedIn, uh, search my name, and I'm there. So.
0: Oh, by the way, full circle, your Twitter handle, can you tell everyone what that
1: means? Oh, <laughs> I knew it. So this is, uh, the the my Twitter handle is La Cucina, which means a small chef. And it's tied up to the two things uh, that I like the most, which is food. It's an Italian actually handle, uh, food. Uh, but also, Cucina can also be used uh, as someone uh, that, Cooks strategy and cooks as something on their sleeve at any time, so That's it has so a multiple fun. meaning. But it's it, it's super weird though because you know every time I have to explain this, if I find I kind of starting to blush. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> How do I explain this? It's
0: fun. You are you nailed it. This this is so great. Thank you again for being my guest, Vidro, I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And yes, it was a pleasure.
0: My name is Garrett Sussman of iPO Rank. This has been another episode of The Rankable Podcast. We will catch you next week. See ya, and have a good one.